Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Morning, church family. Our final sermon for an eight-week series. That went quick, wouldn't you say? Do you ever come to the end of something and have that thought like, wow, it's over? Really? That was eight weeks? Seriously? Daylight savings time already? Can't believe it? Christmas lights are going to be on homes in your neighborhood probably next week? Already are, Kate says. We're going to get into our Christmas series the end of this month. We're going to be lighting Advent candles the end of this month. We're pivoting into winter. Maybe you've gotten to the end of a series on Netflix and you're like, wow, I can't believe I watched all 12 episodes and saw that whole season. I binge watched that entire thing. What time is it? What day is it? Where am I? What do I do now with my life? Have you ever had that thought? There's a deep reality of the human life wrapped up in all this. Time goes by fast, doesn't it? You can't get it back. You can't turn back time. The closest we can come is at 2 a.m. this morning. We got an extra hour of sleep, right? And you slept in until your alarm woke you up, didn't it? And your tummy's not grumbling because it's only just after 11. You know, the thing about time is the last minute is gone. The next minute isn't guaranteed. All we have is right now. But as soon as you say now, it's then and gone. So what do we really have? Benjamin Franklin said time is money. And the implication is how you invest your time is important. Once you spend it, you can't get it back. Time is so fast. We need to invest it wisely. Part of the reason time seems to fly is because we're all so busy. I remember working summer jobs that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. And the busier the day was, the faster it seemed to go by. So you wanted the days to be busy and full so you could turn around and say, wow, it's two o'clock already. Time is going by fast. Um, Elsie and I get together on Sundays and we talk about the schedule for the week ahead. And oftentimes we'll look at each other and say, this is going to be a long week. And what we really mean when we say that is it's going to be a full week, it's going to be a productive week, there's going to be lots of ministry opportunities, meeting with people, yes, it's going to be busy, it's going to go by really fast. There's not going to be a lot of time for quiet rest, reflection, quiet conversation, the week is going to fly by. That's exactly what James is getting at in his epistle, James chapter 4. This is often the verse we think about when we think of the brevity of life, James 4, 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town, we'll spend a year there and we'll trade and we'll make a profit. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow is going to bring. What is your life? There's a question for you. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and vanishes. Now, James isn't saying that making plans and having preparations is unbiblical. Actually, the very next verse says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will go and do such and such a thing. 
So making plans and preparing is biblical, all with the understanding of the Lord's Prayer that, that Sean pointed out, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Understanding the sovereign plan of God over your plans and how his plan supersedes your plan. But the point being, what is your life? It's a mist, it's a vapor, it's that bit of steam that rises off the morning coffee and then disappears into the great beyond. What is life? Job 7.7, 7, my life is a breath. Psalm 102 verse 3, my days pass away like smoke. Kind of a similar thought to James. King Solomon talks a lot about the brevity of life in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're considering doing a series through the book of Ecclesiastes this winter. He talks about life under the sun. If there is nothing beyond this, if there is nothing after this, then what's the point? It's empty, it's meaningless, it's vanity, it's soap bubbles. If there is no life beyond this, after this, if it's just our experience and our existence here on this earth in human physical form, then what's the point? Just eat, drink, be merry, YOLO, you only live once, so you might as well live it up while you get the chance. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 22. So I saw there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. Get a job you enjoy. Do something you're passionate about. That's your lot. That's what you get in life. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Why would you worry about what's next if you're not going to be there to experience it? If there is no life after this, if there is no life beyond this, then just do something you enjoy doing. Travel to a nice destination. Get, to pe get together with people you like to be with and then avoid the ones you don't. Spend all your money. Don't worry about the debt. Just leave that for whoever else because what's the point if there's nothing after this? It's empty. It's meaningless. Maybe you're thinking, wow, Josh, this is kind of a downer sermon. Welcome to November. But there is an incredibly good part that we're going to build towards here today. How do we respond to the brevity of life? What's our answer? Should we just enjoy the time we have? Live it up? It's all about my personal pleasure and happiness? Maybe you're faced with how little time you have left with your family. And maybe through this sermon series you've been thinking, I appreciate all the good biblical content, pastors. Thank you for all those thoughts and values about family and what God has to say, but it's kind of too late for my family. You see, my kids are grown up. They've moved out. They're already living their lives. It's too late. I don't have them under my roof. They don't listen to my authority. What can I do? I pray, but nothing seems to happen. It's too late for my kids. Life has passed us by. We missed it. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, you're looking ahead at what life holds for you. Maybe relationships, marriage, kids, family, house, financial security, career, whatever that looks like for you. And it's kind of causing some anxiety. Like, I don't know what life holds. I don't know who's going to be the relationship, whether kids are in the story. I don't, I'm not even thinking about a house. People keep asking me what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know what the answer should be because the answers I give them don't seem to work. Life just seems so overwhelming at this point. And it feels like I need all the answers right now, really quick, figure everything out. I don't know which end of the spectrum you're on, but sometimes the brevity of life can paralyze us with fear and anxiety and regret and despair. Do you feel any of that when you notice how fast life is passing by? 
All right. Psalm 90 and verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I'd encourage you to read all of Psalm chapter 90. Write it down. This week, you'll have an opportunity to read through Psalm chapter 90. It's actually a prayer that Moses prayed that gets recorded in the Psalms. But he says, numbering our days is wisdom from God. The understanding that life is short actually helps to inform how we live our lives. Look, if I know I only have 10 minutes with you, I'm going to spend that time differently than if I have five hours with you or five days or five weeks or five years. You get what I'm saying? You only have 10 minutes. What's the most important thing? Priorities come to the surface. If we look at this life and realize how short it is, we're going to make some better choices with our priorities, aren't we? Eternity should influence how we spend our life here and now in the temporary, shouldn't it? Shouldn't we be all about God's business, all about the kingdom of God, all about our top priorities here and now while we have the opportunity on this earth? Here's the tension I'm trying to build. Life is so short because it's just a shadow of the life that we're actually designed for. This human existence is just, just a taste, just a morsel, just a little glimpse, a shadow of the eternal life that Jesus offers. The beauty of the gospel is that it's good news for those who are short on life. John 3:16. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That Greek term perish, it means to come to a complete end. When life stops, death, destruction, perish, to come to a complete end, the brevity of life, the quick mist that vanishes. We need to consider how short this life is in light of eternity. So we started this conversation looking into eternity past. Before the creation of the world, we talked about how family existed before you existed and your family existed. And God dwelt in perfect unity as the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Family is designed by God before we were ever created. So now as we wrap up the series, we're going to look into eternity future. What does the fact that my life is going to exist for eternity because of Jesus Christ inform when it comes to my family, my church, and the world? What does eternity have to say about these topics? The topic of family provides several touchstones of eternity some key markers. First of all, childbirth. At one point, you were born. Right? Mind blown. Maybe you've had somebody share some uh, TMI description of the labor and delivery process, and it's almost like you've lived it. Maybe you've seen it depicted on TV, maybe you've had the rare privilege of being in the room as a new life is entering this world. Isn't it a miracle? Aren't the fingerprints of God wrapped up in the birth of a newborn child? When uh, Elsie and I were expecting our first um, Reese, and we announced the pregnancy, there was one piece of advice that people repeated over and over 
and over again. Everybody we bumped into seemed to say something similar. Do you know what that advice was? Get your sleep now? It went something like this. Don't blink. You'll miss it. It goes by so fast. Everybody seemed to say that countless times. We'd get together with our church family on a Sunday and everybody we bumped into, oh, I remember way back when. Sometimes the conversation would go like the, the older couple were standing there. Oh, Freddie, do you remember when we were expecting our first? Can you imagine how fast time has flown by? We should have another one. And they would talk about how fast it would go by. And they're like, you watch, you won't believe it. You'll get to their first birthday and then their first day of school and then their first tooth and just speeding on. Soon they'll be asking for the car keys and they'll be going out with their significant other and then they'll be married and then they'll be moving out. Then they'll be putting you into a nursing home. Then they'll be burying you in your grave. It's like, yikes. Slow down. We don't even know if they're going to be a boy or girl yet. We don't even have a name picked out. But in that hospital room, in the wee hours, in the middle of the night, it's like time stopped. And it was like a, a pinch yourself moment. Like, I kept repeating to myself, this is real. This is our son. What time is it? What day is it? I have no idea, but this, this is real right here. This is a miracle. Can't wrap my mind around it. Birth is a miracle, isn't it? It really is. Just trying to wrap your mind around how a tiny human develops in the womb and arrives into this world with breath and conscience and the very fingerprints of God are all wrapped up. But listen, childbirth is just a glimpse of eternity. Birth is just a picture of a greater reality. Jesus has this very conversation with Nicodemus, John chapter three, write it down. You're gonna have to read it later. He tells Nicodemus, look, you want to enter the kingdom of God? You need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? How can somebody be born again? Do I crawl back into my mother's womb? I don't know how that works. And then be born again? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Unless somebody is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, there's a physical birth and then there is a spiritual birth. God created humanity from the dust of the earth, breathed life into his nostrils, and man became a living, moving, breathing being. But we're more than just temporal, physical beings made of dust of the earth. God placed a spirit within each one of us so that we could relate to God. He, he being spirit. Ecclesiastes tells us he's placed eternity into our hearts. The psalmist says, my heart and my flesh cry out. There's like this inner man. There's, there's who we see on the outside and there's who God sees in the heart, this spirit, this immaterial part of us, the part of us that, that is really who we are. This means though our bodies are perishing, coming to a complete end, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Our spirit, it's given to us by God to continue throughout all eternity. So I've got a lot of questions. And probably you do too. Like, are we eternally spiritual beings? As God is an eternal 
spiritual being? Or are we eternally spiritual in the sense that we have a beginning? Like God created us, we're intricately, intricately woven in our mother's womb, and then we begin and we're av eternal, meaning we have a beginning but we have no end. But if our spirit is eternal and God designed our spirit and somehow when we were being intricately woven in our mother's womb, God placed that spirit within us as the immaterial part of us that can exist for all eternity. If our spirit existed for all eternity, then where was our spirit before our bodies were created? Where were we before we were? Do you, kids ask questions like this all the time, don't they? You pull out the old photo album, you're looking at the wedding photos, but mommy, where was I? Well, you weren't born yet. Okay, but where was I? <laughs> your twinkle in your mommy and daddy's eye, right? Where were we before we were born? Here's some mind-boggling theology for you. God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. He's omniscient, meaning he knows everything. So God is not stuck in the here and now as we are. He's everywhere present. There's nothing that has happened, nothing that is happening, nothing that will ever happen that God isn't already present and knows all the details of. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. He dwells outside of time. So everything we do is relative to time and space, but not for God. Our human existence on this earth is enslaved to the clock and the spot. Right here, right now. We can't be in two places at once, the brevity of life. Let me tell you about last Sunday. I'm trying to squeeze these stories in. Uh, it was a full Sunday, wasn't it? Were you here for that? All kinds of announcements. Uh, Peggy was talking about getting some of the pictures out there and she had quite a response. There's a beautiful display out there. You need to check that out. Remembrance Day is another one of these key markers where we remember the people who've gone on before. Reminds us how short life is. It was a full Sunday. We had shared lunch after the service. We had a Honduras team meeting. I got home at 2.30. We had to do a few errands at home before we ran to a visitation at the funeral home and then on to a double birthday party. So it was a big day. So we're at home. What do we need to do before we run? I hear Jade scream in the backyard. So we look out. A chicken died in the coop. Don't know why. It was just down in the back corner and she saw it. So I got the shovel and we went out and I picked up the chicken and Jade and I went for a long walk in the woods and then we sent the chicken on one final majestic flight <laughs> over the treetops. I love living in the country, but Jade had all kinds of questions and she was asking like, did the chicken feel any pain? Why did it die? Are the other chickens sad? Are we going to see the chicken in heaven? Is the chicken going to see its other friend who died earlier in heaven? So I pulled her aside and I said, Jade, you need to understand the theology of trichotomy, the fact that we are... Plants have a body, animals have a body and a soul, meaning they have will, intellect, and emotions, but only human beings are the ones who have body, soul, and spirit. And spirit is that immaterial part of us that God gave us that's able to relate to God. It's who we truly are that will exist for all eternity. And she looked at me and said, okay, I understand, Daddy. <laughs> Not really at all. And um, we ran back to the car, jumped in the car, and then we went to this visitation at the funeral home. 
And we thought, okay, we have the kids with us. We don't have time to go to the birthday party, drop them off and run back. We'll just bring the kids in. It's an open casket, lots of people. So we're just gonna stay on this side with the kids. We're just gonna give a quick hug, express our condolences, and then we'll be on our way. We'll be on the way to the birthday party. So we're standing on this side of the room and I caught the moment where Jade saw the open casket and she saw Mr. Arden's body in the casket and her eyes got really wide and her face got white. So <laughs> I knelt down and I said, Jade, are you okay? And she said, Daddy, what is that? And we talked through it a little bit and we referenced the chicken that flew over the treetops <laughs> for one final flight. And you can just see her little wheels turning in that moment. And then we jumped in the car and ran to a birthday party, a double birthday party. And there's great Grammy, and then there's all these great grandkids and cousins and toys and cake and noise and fun. And we celebrated birthday for a 20-something year old, a 60-something year old, and I held my brand new nephew, Vinny, for the first time, just a month old. You still gotta support the head because they're all floppy, you know, and I, I forget how to, how to hold them again. And then I laid in bed that night and I thought, man, life is weird, isn't it? Like, you're mourning loss and you're celebrating new life. You're saying goodbye to Betsy the chicken. I don't know which chicken it was. I forget the names. <laughs> and you're saying hello to your brand new nephew. You're celebrating birthdays and you're realizing there won't be any more birthdays. And it's just all wrapped up together in the brevity of life, isn't it? And I'm thinking through all the content for this, this sermon and it's just like, wow. I went to the funeral the next day for... And, and uh, my cousin was giving a eulogy for Mr. Arden. She ended her talk with this. I thought this was awesome. I asked her if I could share it. I tried to get the correct wording from her. The hope of eternity carries us through the temporary days of this life. The hope of eternity carries us through the temporary days of this life. Ephesians chapter 2, this was your reading reminder this past week. We often refer to life as birth, life, death. But Ephesians 2 flips it. It starts with death and then moves to life. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, it's interesting that that's where the story starts, that we were dead in our sin, utterly hopeless. When we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, how does that work? If you trust Christ as your savior, there was a moment in time when you committed everything to him, you gave him your sin, you accepted his forgiveness and his new life, you have been saved. But what is this bit about being seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? Are you seated in heavenly places? Not really sure how to answer that one, right? Eternity 
and this temporary life. Do you, do you see how eternity is wrapped up in salvation? Look, look at what's next. Um, verse six, raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places. Verse seven, so that in the coming ages, the ages to come, eternity to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is what Kayla was talking about at the funeral. Eternity gives us a hope to carry us through the temporary days of this life. First, we were spiritually dead. We had to be spiritually reborn, born again. That new birth is now seated and sealed in heavenly places for all of eternity with Christ Jesus. That is what gives us purpose as we live and walk through this life. Birth and death are two family touchstones of eternity. It's like a small glimpse of what is to come. A reminder that this life is just temporary. This life is just the precursor of the life that we were originally designed for, the life that God created us to live, giving us a spirit and ability to relate to him for all of eternity. I've heard it said this life is like the waiting room for the appointment. This life is like the line for the main attraction. This life is just the warm-up for the real thing. So let's say you got to get your winter tires on this week. You set your appointment. Maybe you do. You should probably get that done. We've already had some snow and ice. You head to the garage, the shop, wherever you get it done. You walk in, you give them the keys. They say, okay, it'll be an hour. We'll call you when it's done. Uh, you can use our waiting room. So you walk over to the waiting area and a little step up into this room that's surrounded by glass and there's some old leather chairs that have a few cuts and marks in them, old coffee maker. There's a TV on the wall, no remote to be found and the news and the weather is playing at incredible volume and you can't turn it down. So you're sitting there getting a little hot under the collar and you feel like, you know what? I'm only here for an hour. I'll make the most of my time. So you start to clean, you sweep the floor, you put the garbage away. Somebody had a coffee that they had and just left the cup, so you made sure to clean that up. And it turned into you rearranging the whole place so it's got a better feng shui and flow about it, you know? And then you're sitting there and you think, I'm going to add to the atmosphere, so I'm going to make a coffee. And you go to plug in the coffee maker, and the coffee maker doesn't work. Turns out it hasn't worked for months and months. So you kind of sit there defeated, and you look through the window, and you see the store across the street has a big sale on coffee makers. Woo! 75% off. I'll go get a coffee maker. So you make your way across the street, get into the store, you pick out a nice red one that'll match the coffee table in the waiting room. And while you're there at the checkout line, you see some throw pillows on sale that would go great with those leather couches. So I'm gonna pick them up. As you're walking out the door, you notice that customer service, a conversation going on about a flat screen smart TV that somebody was returning because it had a scratch. Now it doesn't have the packaging. So you say, hey, would you sell that for 50% off? Sure we would. So you pick that up too. And you got your boxes, and your throw pillows, you make it back to the garage, to the waiting room, set it up like Joanna Gaines on the night before the big reveal. You've got it all laid out. You sit down, you brew your cup of coffee, and then that guy behind the front desk has the audacity to say, your car's ready. <laughs> How dare you? I'll have you know, my coffee just percolated. And I just got signed into Netflix and my show's about to come on. These couch cushions with these new throw pillows feel great on my lower back. 
I'll come out when I'm ready. I need to get my money's worth first. We would never think that, would we? I was at a doctor's appointment this week and I looked around the waiting room and they had uh, wood paneling on the walls, old spot, hasn't been updated since the 80s. I thought they should update this. And then I thought, nah, nobody's really here for the decorations anyway, are they? Here to get the tires on. I mean, yeah, not at the doctor, but you know what I'm saying. Maybe she would do my tires too. She's a pretty handy lady. But isn't that how we live life? So many of us, we get so stuck in this waiting room, decorating it, investing money and getting comfortable. And then when our Lord calls us home, which could be at any minute, the tire appointment might not take the full hour. Are we ready to go? Are we holding onto that waiting room with a loose grip? Or are we attached to all the stuff that we brought in to make it more comfortable and enjoy our time at the garage? Steve talked about it last week, hard sayings of Jesus. Whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What are we living for? What is this life? It's just a brief moment. It's a vapor. It's a mist. It's a smoke. It's a fog. It's so brief. Newborn, birthdays, funeral. So what are we going to do with the time that we have? Isn't that the question? Well, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, by which we can invest this life for eternity. We can make this life count. It's the message that there is more to this life than death and taxes, than growing up and saying goodbye. There's an abundant life that Jesus offers for all who come to him. There's an everlasting life that's secured through the death, resurrection, and reign of Jesus in our lives. Birth is just a temporary picture of this new and ultimate birth, new life in Christ. Death is just a temporary doorway through which God calls us home if the Lord so tarries. And guess what? The wait could be over at any moment because we believe in the imminent return of Jesus for his church. So why would we get so comfortable? Birth and death are just family moments that speak to a greater spiritual reality. Eternity. We're so busy and distracted these days that eternity often feels like a someday thought. Yeah, I'll get to it. Lots of life to live yet. It's somewhere way out there, don't know, can't really explain it. So it's just, I'll just keep pushing it off and pushing it off. Stephen Curtis Chapman has this beautiful song. You need to listen to it on the drive home with your family. Look it up on your Spotify or Apple, whatever you got. It's called Heaven is the Face. Write it down, give it a listen. Heaven is the Face, Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's all about his daughter's death in the driveway. Complete freak accident. So young, his wrestling with it. His understanding that he will see her again in glory. Knowing his daughter is in heaven helps him and calls him to see heaven more clearly. Heaven becomes more real to him. I remember when my grandfather died. I was eight years old. And I had this, this one invasive thought. I wonder if Grampy's watching me. I wonder if he can see me. Now, I, wonder th- I, I remember thinking through, like, what is heaven? Where is he? Can he see me? Is he watching us? Is he proud? Is he smiling? Your family, your church, and the world. Sometimes eternity can feel like just an additional sphere around those topics, can it? Like something out there. But actually, it surrounds these topics and informs them. 
Eternity needs to inform how we do family, how we do church, how we do community in the world. If I know I'm here for a short time, waiting for eternity, then I need to be living for eternity right here and right now. The life Jesus promised us, the life that he gives to us, the life that he died to bring us, is something that we can experience and live out right here, right now. Ephesians chapter 2, you probably know verses 8 and 9. I want to point out verse 10. Verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift from God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you get how eternity is wrapped up in this? In your salvation, your creation, your predestined purpose? You're saved by faith. And somehow at the same time, Jesus not only has saved you, but he's working his salvation in you and through you. God, before time began, gave purpose and meaning to your existence because of your faith in Jesus Christ, which brings eternity into your temporary reality. Eternity informs your purpose and what you are to be working at while you're here. God prepared it beforehand. Eternity tells me the short time I have with my parents, with my siblings, with my kids, with my church, with my community, this short time is to be an investment. Not in throw pillows, not in coffee, not in a new TV for the waiting room, but in setting our eyes on eternity. Like Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. This life is just a warm-up for the life that we have in Christ. Because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight, the sin that trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the fullness of the presence of God that we will completely experience through Christ in eternity. Where there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin to separate us from fully embracing the life that we have in Christ forevermore. We encapsulate all these things in the language that we use around Christian wedding ceremonies. The wedding ceremonies that we witness, that we're there to witness, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Marriage is an ordinance of God. It's set apart from all other human relationships. It's sacred. These vows are for this brief and fragile human existence. Think about it. Sickness, health, poverty, wealth, better, worse, until death do us part. Marriage is just a picture. It's just a glimpse of the eternal relationship between Jesus and his church. Ephesians 5. Write it down. Read it later. We've referenced it before in this sermon series. And it's the wedding feast that kicks off all the festivities in heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to gather around Jesus. There is going to be an incredible meal set before us where we are going to celebrate our wedded union with Christ for all of eternity. That's the reason Jesus came. It was to woo us, to win us, to show us real sacrificial love, to bring us home, present us to his father, to be united with us for eternity. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 16 to 22. That he might reconcile us both to God in one body 
through the cross, killing the hostility. And he came, praise God, he came, right? And he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those of you who are near. For through him, we both have access. That's what Sean was talking about. We need to appreciate the holiness of God with the access to him that we have. Access in one spirit to the Father. So then, listen to this. You are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. We're family together with God. That's what Jesus accomplished. Built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Listen to this, verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God's home. Doesn't that sound like home? We're not strangers there. We're not foreigners. Nobody needs to ask us what our name is because we're family. In heaven, we are God's home. The sin that divided us is abolished by Jesus. Jesus brings us near. The spirit builds us as a body and we are God's home. Home is where your heart is. So shouldn't our hearts be in heaven? Is that where our home is? One of the beautiful things about eternity is the blessed reunion It'll be, and I'll end with this, to be united with our Lord and Savior, definitely, certainly. But the Bible says a lot about those who've died in Christ, those who have gone on before, the cloud of witnesses, those loved ones who we long to see again. And because of our shared faith in Jesus, we'll be together with them in heaven again for all of eternity. Eternity gives weight and meaning to the loss of a loved one who trusted Christ as their Savior. Look at the picture of this reunion. We're going to end with this. I would invite you to stand as we read this final scripture. We'll close in prayer. Revelation chapter 7. This is an appropriate spot to end our series. Verses 9 to 17 right here. The picture of the final family as we come together for all of eternity. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, all people, all languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? From where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, serving him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God, we look forward to that day. As we pray, as we turn our thoughts, our mind, our hearts towards you, God, would you remind us of eternity? 
This life is but a glimpse. It's a vapor. It's a smoke. It's passing away so quickly. And we are blown away by how time just seems to speed up. And we can't believe Christmas is next. And then 2024. And it just ramps up and accelerates the older we get. So God, thank you for reminding us of the brevity of life. We just have a short little window of time in this temporary human physical experience before eternity takes over. And the decisions that we made or didn't make in this life will determine where we get to spend eternity and who we get to be with. So God, we thank you so much. As Sean led us through the Lord's table that Jesus, you were willing to come. You shed your blood, your broken body. You died in our place to pay for our sins so that we could be reconciled to the Father. We could be redeemed. We could be brought into the family of God because of your sacrifice in our place. And then God, we think of this whole conversation on eternal life. Thank you that you've given us a spirit. Thank you that we can relate to you. Thank you that we can have everlasting life, that life doesn't need to come to a meaningless end, but we can live for eternity and we can experience that life through Christ with you right now. God, I pray if there are those here today who have not made that decision, that God, you would impress that on their heart right now. God, help us to live each day with eternity in our focus. Thank you for the life you've given us. Thank you for the short time where we get to live for you and honor you and make your name known among all the peoples of the earth. Thank you for this final scene in Revelation where everyone is gathered around your throne, every tribe, every tongue, every language. Jesus, thank you that that's all because of what you've done for us. We praise your great and holy name today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.